morning. This morning's reading will be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, reading verses 25 to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Chad asked me to speak a while back, and I was thinking, you know, what can I talk about that uh, would be effective for the grads, and not only just the grads, but everybody. Um, and and I decided to talk about spiritual decision making. Um, I hope it's I hope it's something that could be applicable to everybody here this morning, because I think we all make decisions. Uh, the graduates maybe are making some bigger decisions coming up shortly, but I think we all make decisions every day of our lives that are important. So we're going to be talking about spiritual decision-making. And I want, to, I want to get us to think about how we make decisions. Uh, and I want to encourage a focus on the spiritual implications of the decisions that we're making in our lives. Um, I, think, I think it's applicable because we so often focus on, you know, how, how our decisions are going to affect our financial state, our emotional state, our career um, the things that we do with our time, we give a lot of focus to these things when we think. And um, but I, I'm not sure how much we, or I'm not sure if we give enough focus to how these things affect our spiritual health and our and our relationship with God. And so it's going to be down to where our priorities are, and I think our priorities will allow our decisions to flow. So in order to kind of get a grasp on this topic, I want to look at five different examples from Scripture. Uh, We're going to talk about the people in these examples and how they went about making their decisions. Some of them were good, some of them were bad, and then we'll analyze that a bit and and talk about, you know, where they went wrong or where they went right 
And uh, at the end of our time today, I hope that as a goal that we would be able to get better. uh, And I want to challenge us to consider our lives and how we can move God closer or to the top of our priority list when we're making decisions. So there's a lot of ways that people make decisions. If you asked people in the world, how, how do you make decisions? You'd get a lot of different answers. They're usually based on a person's priorities, I think. And there are many different things that we can have at the top of our priority list. For instance, uh, you might have heard this saying before, the one with the most stuff wins. So if that's your priority, then it's pretty easy to make decisions. You just do everything that you can to get the most stuff. Um, maybe another one is the one with the corner office wins. So in that case, uh, you want to get your, the best job possible. How about uh, the one with the biggest bank account wins? Uh, if, if that's your goal, you're going to work towards getting the most money. Uh, uh, the one with the most friends wins. Again, it's pretty obvious what I'm trying to point out here. I think if your priority, if your priority is friends, then you want to become as popular I, as you can. So, um, but if stuff and money and social status is, is our priority, um, then that's going to become our focus too. They will drive our decisions. But what I want to talk about today is, is what the Bible says about these things. What does the Bible say about decision-making and priorities, and how does that fit into our lives and making decisions? So as I said, I want to look at five examples from Scripture, and the first one is going to be uh, David before he became king, and, and King Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time. And this is the, the time when they found themselves together in the cave, even though King Saul didn't know that David was there. So I'll be reading from 1 Samuel 24, 1-7. I'm going to try to have every scripture I reference up here this morning so that you can follow along. So this is, uh, this is the reading from 1 Samuel 24, 1-7. It says, After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him. For he is the, Lord, the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went along his way. So here we have David faced with a, a decision in his life. It's a tough choice, a tough decision. On one hand, he had a great deal of respect for the king, uh, that, that he believed that Saul was appointed by, the, by God, and he had respect for the authority that Saul had. Uh, So he didn't want to kill Saul because of that. But on the other hand, Saul was trying to kill him. And so he had a a decision to make of whether or not he was going to follow what he knew to be right or to save his skin. Um, You know, David David had to make this choice um, because, you know, his life was in his hands basically at this time. 
There was a there's definitely a great deal of earthly reasons for for David to kill Saul. Um, you know, not only would he have ended the threat against his own life, but if he would have taken Saul out, it would have pretty much cleared the path for him to become the king himself, and everybody with him would have supported that. Uh, and so he had a lot of, uh, I guess, pressure or uh, reasons to make that decision. I mean, think about it. He could have been, he could have went from hiding from his life to being the king with all the authority and power in Israel. And he had, that, he had that opportunity in his hands. But when he considered God's desire to have Saul as king, he realized that stepping in the way of that uh, would mean that he was, in, in effect, stepping in the way of, of God's plan. And, and once David realized that, uh, it didn't really seem to matter what the earthly benefits were anymore. He, he knew his decision. Uh, he also had a lot of pressure from his friends, um, Everybody with him said that you know you should take you should take this opportunity and and kill this man who's been hunting you down, so that you can become king. Uh, but the reason that they were encouraging him to do that is because they were thinking differently than David. They they had in their mind the earthly, the fleshly consequences of their actions of the decision that that David would make. But David was thinking a bit differently. He he had earthly, he had spiritual. He had heavenly thoughts in his mind, and, and he was thinking about the godly consequences of the actions that he was, he was about to make. So instead of asking himself, if I could summarize, and he wasn't asking himself, how can I benefit myself in this situation? He was choosing to ask himself, how can I best honor my God with this decision? So do we think this way when we're faced with a tough choice? When tough decisions come along in our lives, do we have the godly focus that David had? Are we making the most of our decisions? You often hear this. Um, are you making the most of your, of your money? Or are you making the most of your, your friends and your fame? Are you making the most of your time? Are you making the most of, your, of the power you have to assert over others? These are the things that, that we often hear in this world. But the godly focus is going to be are we making the most of our decisions to serve God? Uh, are we thinking about the spiritual consequences of our decisions, or are we just thinking about the earthly ones? I think uh, this verse is on my mind right away whenever we talk about this. But Matthew 6:19-21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin uh, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your, what's your goal, I guess? Is, is your goal fame and fortune and money, or is your goal serving God? Where is our treasure? Thankfully, the Bible teaches us that there's more to life than money, there's more to life than stuff, there's more to life than authority and power. Uh, there's a lot more to the Christian life than these earthly things. So I, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have nice things. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But what I'm trying to get us to focus on this morning is that if stuff and status is becoming the driver for our decision-making, instead of serving God, uh, we're not going to be able to make good spiritual decisions. So that was the first example. The next one I wanted to talk about was Eve and uh, 
way back in the Garden of Eden, we have Eve and the serpent. I'm sure we're all very familiar with this story. But I really, I really think it's a good one because we get to see Eve's thought process as, uh, as she's going through her decision. And so I'll read here from Genesis 3, uh, verses 1 to 6. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to God. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. So, it's very similar, well, similar in the sense that Eve also had to make a decision, just like David. Um, on one hand, she knew what God had instructed her to do. It was very clear what he had said, uh, you know, don't eat from that tree. Uh, but on the other hand, it was just so easy to come up with reasons to eat from the tree. Uh, from an earthly standpoint, um, we get to see her thought process, which I think is really good. I like the, I like the scripture that we just read for that reason. Uh, it reveals what she was thinking about when she made her decision. Go back to the verse 6 in Genesis 3, and we can see there, when the woman saw that the, uh, the fruit of the tree was, number one, good for food, okay? number two, pleasing to the eye, and number three, desirable for gaining wisdom. So these were her reasons for doing what she did. And it's, it's, very, it's very interesting that we can see that in the scriptures. Uh, so good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. She thought all about the physical benefits of her decision, but did she take into account any of the spiritual implications? You know, she and Adam both knew that they were going. Uh, they both knew that what they were going to do was wrong, but they did it anyway. Um, so why did they do that? And I think the answer is that. They just didn't have enough priority on the spiritual implications. They, they decided to focus on the physical instead of the, instead of the spiritual. And I think that's how we can, we can all go wrong in that way. And I think that's something we can all relate to in our lives as we have made mistakes in the past. So do we make excuses like Eve? I think, I think we do. Um, and I think we can learn from this. And, and some, of the, some of these excuses are are obvious you know we we say uh well just this once you know i can i can just compromise this one time because it would just be so good for my career if i did this or for my schooling or or for my job um how about this one i i want to make more time for god but ah you know i'm just so busy with my own life i just can't seem to do it or maybe maybe this is the excuse you you always make for yourself i i know what i'm doing is wrong but you know, it's just so hard to change. I, I, can't, I can't do it. Adam and Eve knew that they were making a poor spiritual decision, but they went and did it anyway. They had to suffer the consequences for doing that. And then that got me thinking, you know, how else could they have approached this? Like, could they have done something differently to, to avoid this sin? And um, I was thinking, well, how about if they would have thought instead of the, instead of the physical things, if they would have been thinking about, how this could affect their relationship with God. 
Uh, what if they focused on all the other food that they had already been given as a gift? They had lots. It wasn't like they needed more. Um, what if they put a priority on God's clear instructions instead of the devil's lies? And are we listening to God? If we are focused on, on the worldly benefits of the decisions we make, it's going to be very hard for us to see the spiritual pitfalls all around us in our lives. Uh, so I, I think it's just a good example here from Scripture to see how the wrong type of thinking can lead you to some of the wrong choices in your life. So number three is Joseph. Uh, skipping ahead in Genesis a bit. We're, we're going to talk about Joseph, who's a, the son of Israel. This is the time when he uh, was taken into, uh, into Egypt. He was sold into Egypt by his brothers. And so we'll pick up the story here in Genesis 39. I'm going to read 1 to 10. I'll split it up so that people in the back can actually see it. Um, uh, so here, here we have Joseph. So now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When the Lord saw, uh, sorry, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Now listen to this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to him day after day, he still refused to go to bed with her or to even be with her. So Joseph could have easily slept with this woman, um, but he refused to do it because we see his motivation again, because he refused to sin against God. Verse 10 even goes as far as saying that even though she repeatedly bugged him about it day after day, he, he refused, and, and he even refused to be with her because he did not want to sin against God that much. So no doubt that he was tempted from an earthly standpoint. I mean, he was a man after all. This would have been a, a real temptation to him to have sex with this, this woman, but his, the idea here is that he wasn't focused on the his physical self. He was focused on his spiritual self. He was focused on God. He was not focused on his fleshly desires. This got me thinking of this verse from 1 John uh, chapter 2, 15 to 17, where it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
The world and its desires pass away, but he who does the will of God lives forever. So if Joseph was focused on the world, he would have succumbed to that temptation. But he wasn't focused on the world. He was focused on doing the right thing, which was the will of God. And it helped him to get through. It helped him to make the right decision. So where is our focus? Do we have the same focus when we are faced with a tough decision? It's easy now. Like We're all sitting here. This is a good place. We, we don't have sin around us as much as we normally would, but when we leave this building, when we get out into the world, when we're faced with tough decisions, uh, when you have to choose uh, where you're going to go to school, where you're going to work, who your friends are going to be, there's going to be times when those decisions become hard because you're going to be faced with a choice between God and, and what you want to do. And I think these are good examples for us to review because we can see that there is a way to make the right choice. There's a, there's a country song that I, I like. It's written or sung by Aaron Tipp, and it says, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And I think these are pretty true words. Um, and I think this is the kind of attitude that Joseph had when he was making this choice. He, he made up his mind uh, not to compromise And he stuck to it every single day, day in and day out. This temptation was there, but he stuck to, uh, he stuck to his guns. So I think that's just the exact same attitude we need to have. We need to make up our minds now to do the will of God in all of our decisions. So hopefully you're still with me. I got two more examples left. Uh, The next one is from uh, from Judas. Uh, So. We're going to be going into the New Testament here. We're going to talk about when Judas betrayed uh, Jesus. So I'm going to read two different passages here to kind of give us a little bit of context. Uh, the first one is from John 12:3 to 6. This is Mary uh, when she washed Jesus' feet with her hair and the perfume. It says in verse 3 that Mary took about a pint of nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And then I want to read another uh, section here from Luke. 22, 1 to 6, where it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money, and he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand over to them, uh, to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So I wanted to read both of these passages because the first one shows Judas' motives. We know that uh, his motivation was money, and the second one shows his actions, which is basically what he did because of his motives. Uh, we know that Judas, from that from the passage from John, we see that he was the treasurer among the apostles, uh, among the apostles, and he took care of the money. He looked after the money bag, 
Uh, and Mary poured out a bunch of expensive perfume on, on, the, feet of Je- uh, on the feet of Jesus. And, and then when, when she did that, Judas' greed took over. He saw that uh, that perfume was worth a lot of money. And it says that he wasn't really concerned about the waste of the, the perfume as much as he was concerned about the waste of the money because he would have rather had that money go into the bag so that he could steal it for himself. And we see from the account in, in John that the things were not going his way, so he had decided to take matters into his own hands, and he betrayed Jesus in exchange for the money that he wanted so badly. He got 30 silver coins for that. So Judas made some decisions in his life based on his own selfish desires instead of a desire to serve Jesus. This got me thinking of uh, Psalm 127. I really like these two verses here. It says uh, in verses 1 and 2, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So what are these verses saying? I think, I think it's obvious that unless we do things God's way, our efforts are wasted. You know, Judas was so obsessed with money and he wanted to get as much as he could. Uh, but this got in, the, got in the way of who he needed to be as one of Jesus' followers. God wants our decisions to be spiritually focused. Uh, he wants our decisions and not only our decisions, but all of our lives to be spiritually focused. Many times our focus is on, on getting what we want first and then we worry about serving God later, but we can see from, Jesus, uh, from Judas that this doesn't work, that w- Jesus has to be the focus in all of our choices in our lives. The last example I wanted to look at is from, from Jesus. I think he's often our, our best example, and this is, this is no different than any other time. Um, we, see, we see, we pick up the story here about after his baptism, Jesus is led to the desert to be tempted. And I'm going to read the account from Luke 4, verses 1 to 8. It says here that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone. I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus had a decision to make. Really, there was no earthly, uh, there was no earthly reason that Jesus' decision made any sense. If you asked anybody from an earthly standpoint, he basically had to hit the jackpot. He he could have had all the authority and splendor in the world. Uh, the devil was offering that to him, but Jesus decided not to do that. You know, any earthly wisdom would have said, "Take the devil up on the offer. You're gonna, you're gonna be rich. You're gonna be famous. You're gonna have everything that will make you happy." 
But the thing is that Jesus wasn't focused on serving himself. He was focused on serving God. I think it's important to point out that the devil was using the same type of deception with Jesus that he used uh, with Eve from our, our second example. Um, we see here in, in Genesis 3.5 when he's talking to Eve, for God knows that you will eat from, uh, when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And then in, in Luke 4.6, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. These are lies. The devil tells lies. The lies he told to Eve are the same lies he told to Jesus, and they're the same lies he's still telling us today. I'm sure he's using different words, but the lies are still there. How about this one? Put yourself first. Look out for number one. We hear that all the time. Do whatever makes you happy. That's pretty common in our world today. It's okay to compromise uh, on what you know is right as long as you're happy with your choice. And then we always hear, or we always think, you know, everyone else is doing it, so that must mean it's okay. Are we going to follow these lies? Or will we make the decision today to serve God instead? This, uh, this question got me thinking a lot about, about one person who decided to, to make that decision and follow God. And, and we can read about it here. This is a very familiar section to us, but... Uh, I wanted to read a little bit more than we normally read to give some context. And I think there's more in there. Uh, from Joshua 24:14-18. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, the, the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us, out, uh, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too, listen, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So Jesus had the attitude that that Joshua was talking about. He chose to serve the Lord. He made up his mind to serve the Lord. Uh, He made up his mind to honor God with his decisions, even when it was tough, especially when it was tough. And I hope that we can all have that same attitude as the Israelites in the account from Joshua, where, where we say, you know, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Our decisions reflect who we serve, and as Christians, they they should reflect the will and the character and the commands of God. So what have we learned today? Uh, I certainly hope we haven't learned this today. I, I don't know why. This was always in my head when I was working on this sermon. I've seen this around. Um, he who dies with the most toys wins. And, and I think we can see from Scripture that that's really just not the way we need to, to structure our lives. We need to structure our lives on, on a verse from the reading that Carl had this morning. 
Uh, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, uh, I hope that you remember Matthew 6.33. It summarizes the main point of what, we're, what I was trying to get across this morning. Uh, I think, you know, we so often, uh, we so often consider the, the financial things, the emotional things, the career implications when we make decisions, but I know that I can, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we can all do a better job of focusing on how our decisions impact our spiritual health. Uh, we're going to be making lots of decisions every day in our lives. Um, who's our friends going to be? Where are we going to work? Where are we going to live? Uh, are you going to get married or are you going to stay single? What type of person are you going to marry? What kinds of music, videos, movies? What, what are you going to put into your mind? What are the hobbies are you going to be into? What kind of habits are you going to start forming? These are all decisions, and there's many more that come along with it that, that we make all the time in our lives. And many of these decisions that I have up here uh, are life-altering because they have enormous... Uh, they can have an enormous impact on our spiritual health. But how much spiritually focused thought are we actually giving them when we make these decisions? Are we just thinking about the worldly benefits or are we also thinking about the spiritual benefits? Do we seek out a particular spouse just because they treat us really nice? Or do we choose that person that brings us closer to God and has a godly example for us? Do we do we give any thought to our hobbies and our habits? Are they drawing us away from or closer to God? Do we work at a place that forces us into questionable behavior? Or do we look for a job where we can use our natural gifts to bring glory to God? The purpose of uh, the talk this morning isn't to paralyze us with fear. I, I realize that we need to live, that we need to make decisions, we need to be productive in this world for God. So, go, you know, go seek a job, go... Look for a spouse. Buy a house, buy a car if you want. But in everything you do, um, do your best to make God the choice, the first choice uh, that is best, that honors Him and is best for your spiritual health. I think we need to take the time to consider how our actions and how our decisions impact our relationship with God. And resolve to make him the first priority in our lives. He needs to come first in our decision-making so that we can make good spiritual decisions. I hope uh, that we've uncovered some helpful information to make us better decision-makers this morning. I think uh, we often focus on this question, you know, how will I choose? Uh, but really, after I thought about this some more, I think, I think the answer is not how will I choose, but who will I choose? And that's really going to drive everything in our lives. And I think if we look at Matthew 6.33, we have the answer to that question. Uh, we're going to end with a song called uh, I Am Resolved. And uh, I really like this song. I like the lyrics. The first verse says, I am resolved no longer to linger, um, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have alerted my sight. I think these words really speak to our message this morning. And uh, I hope that uh, it inspires us to, uh, to be committed to making God the priority in our lives. Um, if you're here this morning and, and you're not yet a Christian, let me suggest that this is the biggest decision that you can make because it affects not only your life here on earth, but more importantly, 
your eternity after leaving this earth. If you are ready or you're interested in learning more about that decision, about putting God first in your life, uh, please come see me uh, or, or talk to Chad or Sean or one of the elders after we're finished today. We'd be happy to help you with that. And if you are a Christian, maybe you're having some struggles in this area. Uh, I know I know, I struggle. I'm sure all of us do. Um, maybe you're having trouble making the right decisions. Maybe you're thinking about a decision that's tough. Uh, if you need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with, please come see me. I'd be happy to help you with that. Let's uh, stand together as we sing. Thanks, Miles.